Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So as I already mentioned, my name is Brendan Jameson. I'm one of the pastors here at All Souls. And it is my privilege to be with you as we, as we attempt to listen to the voice of the Lord together this morning. Now, as you know, we've been in a series uh, preparing for our rule of life, and we will be affirming our rule of life next Sunday, which is Christ the King Sunday. And it's a, it's a beautiful moment in the life of our community. Um, so we've been working through what our rule is. And if you're new with us, a rule of life is not about like having rules to keep and follow, but it's more like a trellis that you set up to, to um, help things grow in the way that they are intended to grow. And so our rule is this trellis that helps us to live a shared life together that, that it takes a particular shape. And so today we're going to be talking about um, hospitality. And so I would like to pray for us before, before I say anything else. So if you would, please pray with me. Lord, we are hungry to hear your voice. Or maybe we're not very hungry, but we would like to be hungry. However we come today, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes so that we could see you. We ask that you could, would open our ears so that we could hear you. And we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts so that we would turn to you who is life that we would find life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you know that uh, I have a friend named Ray Aldred. He's an indigenous man uh, in Canada. He teaches at uh, the Vancouver School of Theology where he directs the Indigenous Studies program. And he's a friend and a mentor of mine. And... Um, <laughs> I love how he talks about preaching. So I, one time I had contacted him about whether he would um, preach for us. This was during the pandemic, and, uh, and we were meeting via Zoom. And so he's like, sure, I'll, you know, I'd love to do that. And I said, well, what, what do you need from me? And he said, well, just, uh, just give me the texts for the day, and I'll just I'll riff on those a little bit. So I would like to just riff a little bit this morning on the texts that we've been given and on the theme of hospitality. And uh, as, you, as you may know, this month is uh, the month where we are recognizing and celebrating indigenous peoples on this land. And my family, we've been, we've been reading a lot about all of the history of the peoples. I mean, we have such an incredible, rich history of peoples who have lived on this land for thousands and thousands of years. And so... Um, by way of telling some stories about hospitality, I wanted to start by telling you a story about my life. So I grew up uh, very far from here, grew up in Alaska. And Alaska, 
unlike, I mean, it, it's similar in some ways to the rest of the, the United States, but Alaska has a lot more um, native people, and, and native people in Alaska are much more visible. It doesn't mean that people don't live separate. They still do in many ways, but, but you can't really grow up in Alaska and pretend that there aren't indigenous people that, that are around. Um, so, and I grew up in a family that was totally out, had, had chosen to live outside of the church, which in these days makes a lot of sense to many of us, right? I mean, on the heels of these last few years and all of the ways that there have, we have seen culture wars playing out both in the church and out of the church, all the ways that we have been disillusioned by partisan politics that have made their way in and called themselves Christian faith, all the ways that white nationalism has made its way into our communities and calls itself Christian faith, many of us are really disillusioned by that. And I just want to say, you should be. Amen. So, but that doesn't mean that we don't have something real and deep and, and um, profound to encounter with God. So, I grew up in Alaska, grew up outside the church, and one of the first places that I encountered Christian faith was in my high school. Um, I had a teacher named Ron Manuk, and he taught a class called Native Arts. And so I wanna, there's a picture of Ron here. It's, it's bad, this is the only picture that I could find, but Ron was my high school Native Arts teacher. And what was so beautiful about Ron is that his classroom was the place where everybody in our school who couldn't find anywhere else to belong, belonged. And it was a beautiful place. And so you'd go there and lots of people would come to his room to eat lunch. And we were all learning this, the, the traditions of native art um, together. And his presence was so profoundly beautiful. And he talked really openly about being a Christian, about following Jesus, but he did it in a way that was very contextualized to his life as a native Alaskan. And he was, he was probably the first person that I had met um, who called himself a Christian and who was willing to talk about it in public spaces. So go figure, right? In a land like ours that I was introduced to Christian faith by a native Alaskan, I think that's pretty cool. One of the things that I remember about working with Mr. Manuk was uh, in the process, I was, he was teaching me how to make a, a necklace. It was, it was made out of shells and beads and leather, and I was making this necklace. And remember, I'm not a Christian at this point, um, but I'm making this necklace. And so along the way, I, I got sort of halfway through it, and he says, now you know, when you make this necklace you have to put a mistake in it somewhere. And I was like, what? Like, that's not, not, that's not how life works. Um, like, when you, when you do a paper for school, like, you do your best work, right? So, and he said, no, no, you, you put, you, you always make a mistake. And it's to acknowledge that you are a human and that you are not God. And... It was such a profound experience for me to encounter in the process of, of making a necklace, to encounter wisdom and faith uh, 
in, in the work with my hands. And it, so it impacted me deeply. And I later, I became a follower of Jesus that same year, that, my senior year of high school. Um, and it was in part due to Ron Manuk. Now, I didn't bring a, a book with me, but um, I've been reading a book by a theologian named Randy, Randy Woodley, and it's called um, Indigenous Spirituality and the Western Worldview. And so it sounds sort of heady, but it's a lot of stories. And one of the things that Randy, who is a follower of Jesus, says that, that he has learned from the wisdom of indigenous peoples is this. We are merely humans, and so, Lord, have pity on us. Maker, have pity on us because we're, we're human. And there's a humility and there's a welcome that's embodied in that, that statement. So my life was profoundly impacted by the hospitality of Ron Manuk. Next picture. Uh, I went off to college and I was involved with a, a campus ministry and at the end of those four years I went to Kenya and I lived with, with these two beautiful people. Uh, this is Pastor and Mama Karau, Jepson and Edith, but nobody calls them Jepson or Edith. They're just called Pastor and Mama. And um, so for three weeks that summer while I was in Kenya, Pastor and Mama took me into their home uh, me and two other students, and we lived with them for three weeks. And every day we would journey with them uh, into the, the slums, Mathari Valley Slum, which is about a two-by-two-mile slum that's on the edge of Nairobi town. And um, they had been pastoring a church in the slum for about 20 years when I met them. And so... Pastor was actually the one who named me Moredi, which is uh, a word from his Kimeru tribe, tribal language, which means shepherd. Again, go figure, I was not planning <laughs> on any sort of pastoral vocation, and yet in the home of these two people who have become some of my heroes of faith, um, I experienced warm welcome, like they just took us in, and they, they included us in their family. They, they named me, and that name has been really meaningful to me uh, ever since. And it has actually, it was prophetic, I think. And so we are still actually in relationship as a community with Pastor and Mama. Uh, we support uh, Sanctuary of Hope. Her, there's a, the umbrella organization is called Hope's Promise, and they have... They do orphan care in Kenya, and we still, as a community of all souls, we support them, and we partner with the church that Pastor started. His son is now the pastor of, Steve, and Steve was with us last year. And so we are continuing to be impacted by these two beautiful people. Next slide. So these are two of the people who were InterVarsity staff workers when I was a student. And their names are Brian and Debbie. And they have worked with undergraduate college students for 35 years. So, the, and their story is so beautiful because it is so small and anonymous on one level. Like, they've never tried to climb any ladders. I mean, to be a 60-year-old and just to be working with undergraduate students, I mean, there have been so many opportunities for them to climb ladders, and they've just said, no. <laughs> We know what we're called to. And um, they led the trip 
that went to Kenya, where I met Pastor and Mama Karau. Now, one of the things that's so beautiful about many cultures around the world is that hospitality is of, it's a super strong value in, in most cultures. And um, so Debbie, having been to Kenya many times, was learning hospitality from the Kenyan culture. And so one of the things that Debbie decided to do in response to her experiences of hospitality uh, in Kenya was she made a commitment that she would never ask somebody to leave her home. Just imagine that. And so as a college student, I would go over to their home, I would go over most Sundays and Sabbath at their house on their couch. They called it the black hole. And people would come and we would gather in their home. And Debbie, sometimes I would stay up until one in the morning or two in the morning talking with her. And her commitment was, you're welcome in my home until you decide to go. And that was something that she learned in Kenya, but that she extended to me and to many people like me. And it, it changed my life. Um, to encounter that kind of hospitality that says to other people, you are welcome in my space as long as you need to be here. And I met the Lord there in their home on those late nights with Debbie. Next slide. I don't know if you can tell, but Brian and Debbie, and that's my family, during our sabbatical, we were in Montana where Brian and Debbie live, and we saw them again and my life continues to be impacted by their hospitality. And many of the, the gems that came out of our sabbatical actually came out of one day that Brian and I just went and sat in like fold-out chairs on the campus at the U of M and talked for hours together. We just set aside an afternoon and we went and we sat and talked. And I, I met the Lord in that space. So why am I telling you all these stories about hospitality? Well, I would ask you a question. Why do you think our rule of life articulates a hope to be people of hospitality? Why is that? Anybody? My daughter had some ideas in the car this morning, so come on, y'all. Why do we hope to be people of hospitality? Because God is a God of hospitality. How do we know that? Where do we see that? Can anybody think of any examples? The incarnation. The incarnation, yeah. God with us. So if we're thinking about Jesus, who was welcome with Jesus? Children. Children. Yeah, that was what one of my daughters said. Yeah, and you know what's so funny is that the disciples were like, hey, Tell all these kids to go away. <laughs> and Jesus was like, absolutely not. And I, I was actually thinking about that this morning. Do, why do you think the disciples didn't want Jesus to be around kids? Yeah. So they, want, they thought that wasn't very serious business. I think they were probably trying to manage Jesus' image, right? Like kids were, did not get him social prestige. Because in that society, kids were not, oh, you know, they weren't up the ladder. <laughs> they were down the ladder. And so it's funny how we play those games all the time, 
all the time managing our sort of social capital and who's going to get us higher on the, the ladder of social capital. And then we tend to just ignore the people who can't get us further up the ladder. Is that right? I mean, the homeless people on the corner don't get you up the ladder, except in as much as maybe you could have somebody take your picture being nice to them. But that's not being equal. That's offering charity. So, so yes, kids were welcome with Jesus. Who else? The lepers were welcome with Jesus. Yeah, people who were sick and could make you sick and who were socially sort of outcast. Who else was welcome with Jesus? Prostitutes, Prostitutes sinners, tax collectors get their own category. If you have sinners <laughs> and then tax collectors, that was bad, I guess. Being a tax collector, I mean, it's because you were a traitor to your people. You sided with the oppressive Roman Empire to take advantage of your people. That was, pretty, that was pretty bad. Everybody seemed to be welcome with Jesus. You know, the only people who weren't welcome with him were people who exempted themselves. Like, nobody was actually exempted by Jesus, but some people, like the religious leaders, exempted themselves. But everybody was welcome with Jesus. And so we begin with a God who is hospitable, who's welcoming, who's generous, whose arms are wide open, who, you know, who never asks us to leave. I remember being in Kenya, actually, and asking one of the mamas I was living with. This is a tangent, but I just have to tell you this story. So, every, you know, we were out in the bush, my, my friend Indy, Indica and I, and we were out in the bush of Africa, we were staying with the, this pastor and his wife, but the pastor was mostly gone. So his wife was there. Her na name was Mava. And she was like the town, the mayor. I called her the mayor because everybody knew her and everybody, everybody would come to their home. And so I asked her one day, because I'd observed lots of people coming and then they would be there for a long time and then they would go. And I, I just said, Mama, how does this work? Like, how does... I see lots of people coming, and how does it work when they come? And she said, oh, it's very simple. When somebody comes, they are what you are doing until they leave. I love that. That's so countercultural to Americans, isn't it? So anyway, so God is hospitable to us. And, and I want to propose that the place that, that is the center, at the heart of hospitality is right here. So the table is the place where we are hosted by Jesus. And then that, that, that carries over into all of our life. Jesus welcomes and hosts us all the time with generous abundance. And so part of why we gather here every week is to be hosted by Jesus, to experience real hospitality. So I want to show you a slide, the next picture. Um, one of my seminary professors uh, came up with this little chart, but it's helpful. And so here's what he says. So the, cir the circle on the left he calls the close circle. And it's not closed, it's just it's in proximity to Jesus. And that's this place, that's us. 
as we gather at the table. And so who, who do you think is the host? I've already said it, but who's the host in this space? Jesus is the host, right? And that, you could take that in, like, we, we call the bread the host, but Jesus himself, right, is the host of this space. The next circle to the right is the dotted circle. And so what David Fitch describes there is that having experienced the hospitality of Jesus in this space, we extend the table, we extend that hospitality into our homes. And we go out and we make, we make space for other people. And so the reason that the circle is dotted is because that space is permeable. Like our friends, our neighbors, strangers, travelers, whoever ought to be, have access into that space where we are hosting, okay? And then the third space he calls the half circle. And who do you think is the host in the half circle space? other people. So our lives can be thought of in these three different spaces where we learn what hospitality is with Jesus in the close circle. We extend that hospitality to others in spaces where we host, but we also go into spaces where we aren't in charge, where people invite us and you think about, think about the story of Cornelius and Peter in the book of Acts. Cornelius was the one who was hosting. He was a Gentile who, was, who worshipped God, right? But the, but the Spirit uh, gave him a vision, and then he sent for Peter. And Peter shows up as a guest, not because he's in charge. He shows up as a guest, and he recognizes that the Spirit is at work in that space. And so... We can think of our lives in these three kinds of hosting spaces. The space where Jesus is the host, the space where we are the host, and the space where the other is the host. And these are all really important spaces for us as Christians. So I would encourage you, as you go from here, to think about what are the spaces where you are being hosted by Jesus what are the spaces where you are acting as host to others? And what are spaces where you are entering as a guest and being hosted by another? And those are really, really important spaces for us as Christians. Amen? Amen. Amen. And just because it's uh, the month where we're thinking about indigenous peoples, I would propose to you actually and this may just be a, a caveat that you need to not think about right now, but, but land is really important. And my daughter and I were talking about this on the way in today. When we think about hospitality, how often do we think about the fact that the land hosts us every day? We are hosted by the land. The, the forest makes oxygen for us. The plants grow, the trees give us things that, to build with, we get food from the earth, the animals give themselves for us so that we can eat. Like we are, whether we like it or not, we are in an interconnected web of relationships where we are 
in many ways, being hosted. And indigenous people do not view themselves apart from the land, but as a part of it. And, and one of the things, one of the tragedies about our history is that we have moved into this land as if it didn't matter, as if we did not need to be hosted. And um, so I think one of the invitations for us uh, as Euro-Americans is to consider what it might look like actually to receive the, the blessing of the people who are the hosts of this land, whether we've acknowledged it or not. There's a kind of appropriateness, I think. And that's, that's a super long conversation, and I could give you a whole bunch of books if you want to pursue that. But um, I think it's really important for us to just recognize that we are being hosted all the time, whether we recognize it or not. So will you pause with me for just a moment? I want to pray over us, because ultimately what we want is to hear the voice of God, not to hear the voice of Brendan. So let's listen for the Spirit to just clarify and speak to us about the things that we have heard. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.